Hi guys, uh, welcome to uh, the podcast called Make It Stack with Joe and Will. And um, yeah, so uh, this is our first episode of this uh, podcast. Uh, it's basically just a bit of a bit of a chit chat, a bit of a discussion uh, surrounding finance and investing in general. Yeah, hundred percent. So we're, we're you know playing it by uh, learning on the go, learning on the fly. Um, but yeah, it's going to be centralised around. Um, investing as a essentially a young professional uh, with our own experience, a bit of um, yeah, a bit of news discussions, a bit of market discussion. It's going to be a bit of everything. So yeah, learn as we go along, but it's going to be yeah, it's going to be fun. I think. Yeah. So um, like Joe. So um, obviously, uh, COVID nineteen has been uh, all over the news since February this year. Yeah, and it's like affected the markets in in a lot of different ways. Uh, like, how do you think investors should uh, proceed with allocating their savings in this uncertain yeah. time? Well, I mean, it, a little bit of background about where I am in my investing journey. Uh, so I'm 22 years old. Uh, you know, I've been in the market since. It's kind of like a like a investors and not investing anonymous. Uh, you know, I've got lots of time. Joe, twenty two. I've been <laughs> investing too. Um, yeah, so I've been in the markets for about two months probably now. Um, and yeah, the, I mean, the reason for me, I've been thinking about it for a while, and the reason I sort of hit the go button was because of COVID, just knackering the prices of, um, you know, the well, stocks took a massive dive. They were, they were trading at a discounted rate from what they were pre, pre-COVID. pre And so I was like, cool, it's a good time to get into the market. And, and also just going on from that, you kind of have your own sort of side hustle business. Yeah. Which has kind of become a full-time hustle. Yeah. So, I mean, I had some money kicking around as a result of I don't know, savings from that, which has been going on for the past eight months, which has enabled me to get some money in. But yeah, so I've got... I've, I've, Chuck some money in, and yeah, it's been it's been doing pretty well because I got in at a pretty good time. But it, I'm sort of I've got the investing bug now. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, it's pretty addictive, isn't it? Yeah, massively. On on the app every day, checking to see how it's all doing, and yeah, it's funny because you, you kind of when it does well, you kind of like it's um it's really, it's like a good feeling of just like earning cash or like you know you're yeah. <laughs> It's sort of a bit overkill, but your sort of net worth, as it were, so yeah. it increases by, you know, a hundred quid over the course of the day as the as the markets work for you. And it's a really cool feeling, and yeah, yeah. So I'm just trying to just trying to figure it out and just playing it by ear. But I mean, largely that all came from you um, helping me, helping with it essentially, just like yeah. um, advising me, telling me what to do. But then your background. Is far more well, you know, yeah. you're 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 a trained professional. Yeah, I mean, um, I've kind of been interested in investing and, and finance since I was probably about eleven years old. I remember, like, our grandpa at the time who, um, like, was always interested in shares, and I remember quite vividly really wanting to understand, um, more about more about it, even though my my understanding was really very superficial at the time. Um, I remember like learning about 
buying Tesco shares because they were looking to expand into America. This was like <laughs> back in like 2007. Yeah. Um, and, um, and my sort of interest in investing was further spurred on by participating in the IFS Student Investor Challenge. Yeah, which was, Yeah, which was like back in, uh, back in 2012, I think it was. Um, I, was in, I was in year, year 11 at school, just about to do my GCSEs. And uh, basically, you got 100k virtual cash and you got to basically invest it in the FTSE 100. Uh, and there's also a sort of micro cap index that you've, uh, <laughs> that you've got to sort of, uh, well, potentially allocate some money into more speculative, more volatile stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, like I really got hooked on that over, over Christmas of 2012, uh, or rather 2011 actually, it was, it was even before then. Um, and off the back of that, I ended up buying Lloyd's Banking Group shares. Yeah. Um, I think that was because they performed really well um, with the new chief exec, um, Antonio Porto Osorio, who was kind of trying to, oh, yeah, trying, <laughs> trying to uh, stable, stable the ship post-global financial crisis. Um, so I ended up buying those shares at about 45p a share. Yeah. And, uh, and I opened up an account with Barclays Stockbrokers, uh, which... <laughs> Which uh, well transpired that um, that the 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 ongoing charges were, were very uneconomical. Um, again, charges is 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 a, probably a discussion for another time for for this podcast. But uh, yeah, all the all the gains on my two hundred and fifty pound investment were <laughs> were quickly no. eroded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from from uh, from from the yeah, the ongoing charges. So, but that again, that was that was a good learning experience um, to just actually. Be proactive and, and pull the trigger, as it were, and, and yeah. actually get get into but that's market. Quite, that's quite interesting because um, if you're if you're kind of putting two hundred fifty quid into the market, like you know, even if your your share smashes it, you're like at twenty five percent in a quarter or something stupid. Like yeah, you know, that's fifty. Uh, what's that? Like fifty quid. Yeah, fifty yeah. quid. I guess it's not too bad actually, but it's yeah. So it's it's kind of like such a small amount of money that even a sort of a home run stock pick. Um, would have um, it's not like a material exactly, yeah. improvement it's in your just, wealth it's more yeah. like a it's more um, like you're doing it but not for the sake of it but you're doing it because you you know yeah it's not to I, make money kind of thing if that makes sense yeah yeah, yeah absolutely that, that makes sense but I mean I've watched a lot of YouTube videos as well about um, you know uh, traders and, and, and investors and Someone uh, once said he's called Anton Krill, who's actually like an ex trader for Goldman and JP Morgan. He's always promoted on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all over the all over the algorithm for you, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and he basically said that um, you know you, sh- you should be you should respect money, but be yeah. indifferent towards it, which yeah. I think is a really profound uh, comment because it's basically saying, you know, you want to try and tra- chase the good returns where it's possible. Yeah. Um, but no matter how how big your wealth gets, you should always you should always be indifferent to it. So yeah. you know if if you want to if, if you're willing to take a risk with um, some of your with some of your wealth when you're poor, yeah, you should have the same sort of attitude with taking that same risk when you're when you're more wealthy. Uh, to to yeah, some extent, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um, I guess yeah. I I don't know how that plays out if you've got if you've got you know buckets and buckets of money. Um, do you? Should you have the same appetite for risk if um, perhaps you don't have much money and you know you've got to pay rent, you've got to pay bills, you've got to you know do all that? I don't know. I think I think basically what, what he was trying to get at was 
you have to respect money if you have a hundred pounds in your bank account versus one million pounds yeah, in your bank yeah. account. Obviously, yeah, you, you can get into kind of um, you know varying levels of risk aversion depending on 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 your financial position. Yeah. So obviously, well, when when you're when you have a higher amount of wealth, you can afford to take the hit because you'll still have enough money left over. Whereas when you're poor, if you're you know investing most of your disposable income in like a penny stock, yeah, that's yeah, that's obviously not a particularly good strategy. No. No. I guess it depends what the penny stock does. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Interesting. So, uh, so tell tell us about your portfolio at the moment, Joe. So, t- t- tell tell us uh, yeah. where you're at. You know, which broker you're with. So, what account you're running? Portfolio at the moment um, is it's kind of it's it's been largely advised by you, um, but we've got a bit of a breakdown through a few different things. But we've got, um, yeah. So it's I've got about nine thousand pounds in my ISA, um, which. You know, I've got 1,500 quid in S&P 500 tracker, 750 quid in Scottish mortgage, which, yeah, so Scottish mortgage is an interesting one because it's, it's, the reason I got into it was because I was looking at getting some sort of techie America growth fund exposure. And so I was looking at buying Tesla, I was looking at buying um, Amazon, Shopify as well, Amazon, um, and Facebook actually. And, um, I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Scottish Mortgage has exposure to all of them or most of them. Um, so that was the reason for that. And also, you don't have to pay any transaction fee to get in, uh, which is about 11, 11 bucks. Um, so iShares Japan, which, to be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I imagine it's some sort of Japanese, specific <laughs> Asia-focused thing. Um, yeah, I think it's got Nintendo, possibly. What have we got in there? Yeah, Samsung. Like, I guess that's more of a sort of passive fund isn't it that just sort of track track a wider benchmark it yeah. doesn't look to outfold the market does it yeah. but then geographically it's isolated to a specific area so you've kind of got you've got the um yeah you've got the geographic diversification but yeah. then within that you've also got the fact that it's, it's composed of you know it's a fund so it's got loads of different yeah, yeah. within it so that yeah that's good that's 10 percent since i bought it which was probably um well, I imagine that was like six weeks ago. Wasn't yeah, it? about six weeks ago. So ten percent over six weeks. <laughs> that's a pretty good, pretty good annualized return. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's four hundred fifty bucks. Um, four hundred fifty put in in that impact, which is an environmental thing. Again, not one hundred percent sure. What, what yeah, you you want to do your due diligence before you go into these. Don't 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 do what Joe yeah. does. Where you're just like, yeah, it seems seems legit. Yeah, the issue is that I'm kind of managing it, but I'm not because it's like, well, what do you think is sensible? And you're like, well, I think um, this is sensible. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I'm going to get some sort of environmentally focused, looking for long-term things that get more environmental. And um, yeah, so I just thought that made sense. So I've got so much between that. Uh, that's at 2.8%. So, you know, just as a, as a I reckon it's about two months. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a different interesting stuff in there at home serve, um, which I've been going to probably at a later date. I'll do a comprehensive review of, um, <laughs> I'll give a, a dummies analyst review on home serve <laughs> and how they are as a company. And then we've got a black rock, which is a, sort of a big one. But yeah, so I mean, that's kind of a, quite a long winded way of going about my portfolio. Um, I'm not sure if that's interesting to be fair, but yeah, I don't know. What do you reckon? Well, no, I think I think it's good to um, you know 
provide full disclosure on your investments because yeah. it's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, I feel like the market's going to do this, but if you're not, you know, putting your money where your mouth is and actually, yeah. you know, saying saying what you're actually doing, then uh, yeah. why should anyone have any confidence in you as, well, you're not a financial advisor, obviously, but yeah. why should they listen to you? Yeah, I guess people shouldn't probably listen to me, but it's... Um, <laughs> or me, to be fair. But. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's what I find interesting is listening to people that kind of tell you how much skin they've got in the game as well. Yeah. Just because it's kind of, it's in my opinion, listening to somebody talk about what they're investing is kind of interesting. But the fact, you know, they're down 10% over two months when they put it in this and, you know, they've got £1,000 in or whatever. I don't know. I find that super interesting, um, whether or not you know, others will find it as interesting as I do. Uh, yeah, you don't know, but it's, it's fun. Yeah, I guess I guess with investing, like you can kind of dial it in to, to, to suit your interest. You know, if, if you're, say, someone that, you know, has heard about get, getting stocks and shares ISA and has a bit of disposable income and you're looking to kind of start churning and, and making it stack, so to speak, um, you know, you can always look to get, you know, low cost passive exposure, you know, like Vanguard or like a prime example of a platform that provide really low cost um, sort of indice investments, you know, you could like buy into like America, like the S&P 500 mm-hmm. or like the FTSE all share yeah. and, and, and you're paying like three bips annual management charges, which is ridiculous. Like it's, it's mind blowing really because I've just, I've just recently um, read a book by uh, Peter Hargreaves, who's the founder of Hargreaves Lansdowne and like, he started out in the early 80s in Bristol selling unit trusts. And uh, at the time, there was like a 3% charge, initial mm-hmm. charge that, that, that investors had to, to sort of basically stomach. just, just stomach. stomach. And that now, now it's, it's basically free. So it's, it's mind-blowing yeah. I mean, how hard that's technology that, isn't it? Just crushing that, I think. It's technology squeezing that, that initial fee charge. Yeah, I'd also say there's a lot of competition as well, you know, yeah. like... Yeah, if if invest if investment platforms are looking to you know increase AUM, um, if they can get more people in, the way they do that a lot of the time is by um sort of um, marketing low cost low transaction cost low ongoing charge platforms, which is you know um what what Harvey's under you know free to buy and sell Mm. funds as, as as a prime example. So Will is. This I'm talking to you is in Tesla, so Tesla. <laughs> so Will's Will's got some, you know, he went fifties with my brother on a Tesla share, which um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you reckon on, on that? So um, I think it's fair to say, uh, and I'm sure most of the viewers will agree that that Tesla is very much a hype stock. I mean, it's got a market cap of about 170 billion dollars, which uh, takes it to the the biggest. Uh, car manufacturer ever by market cap by market cap yeah which is which is absolutely mind blowing mm-hmm. uh, Elon Musk is a character um, you know he's he's, he's, he's well <laughs> yeah I mean he, he doesn't really have much of a filter you know um, prime example of you know uh, saying on Twitter that he was just going to reopen the, the the car factory in California during lockdown or maybe or it was it Arizona Private yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that, that obviously hasn't happened because uh, Tesla yeah. actually uh, just jumped over the one thousand dollar mark in the last couple of days, which, mm. which as a as a long term shareholder was was music to my ears. Yeah, you know, the music is AGM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, 
but it, I mean, it's been a very volatile ride. Like, um, I bought it back in December, oh no, sorry, January 2018 mm. at about $320. And uh, for ages, it was uh, in the red. And at one point, I was probably about 40% down. Yeah. So, so again, like, as, as, as sort of investors, especially like young people like looking to get exposure into, into direct shares, like yeah. you've got to be willing to stomach that volatility. Like I, I personally think that if you buy a share in a company that you like, you should be willing to see it go down by like 50%. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise you will, you will have sleep. Well, maybe not sleepless nights, but you, you won't, you won't be enjoying life. No, going but, down. but I think for a lot of people that would be something that off the bat you know, they wouldn't be willing to do, I don't think. Because if you're if you're new to it, you just kind of I think you're coming into investing being like, oh, you know, it's sensible it's what my dad did, you know, it's what, you know, rich people yeah. invest, it's kind of sensible people invest. And so I feel like I think you are right. I feel like that sounds right to me. Um the fact that if you know you gotta be willing to accept a fifty percent down tick on if you're taking funds out of stock. Mm. Uh, which I think is true, but I think a lot of people would either take a lot of, um, they'd have to think about it a lot in order to finally be like, look, I'd be willing to see that go down by 50%, mm. uh, which potentially is the benefits of having um, a more, a less volatile, you know, less eggs in one basket kind of thing, which is why potentially sort of investing in funds, etc. is yeah. such a beneficial way to do. And, and just going on from that, Joe, like a common misconception is is when sort of uh, individuals look to get into the stock market, they, they have this thought that's like every investment under the sun can like go to zero. Mm. And I feel like that's that's quite a dangerous thought process to have because, you know, going into like say a ready-made nutmeg portfolio of like risk level two out yeah. of ten like unless capitalism goes to shit like it's not going to go to zero is it really yeah and and so you can't have that same mindset in going into a going into a diversified fund versus yeah. versus a share in tesla so i think that's i think that's really important that you sort of bear in mind the expected volatility for the investment you're actually getting into yeah and basically if you're going into funds or like a low risk fund, say with like fixed income exposure and equities in, you'll yeah. expect a lower volatility than than you know sharing Tesla or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. All all uh, all interesting stuff. Um, I might just go. Shall I go through my portfolio? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, so um, I I opened up a stock jazz ISA with Hargreaves Lansdowne back in. 2017 because I actually used to work for them. So what's an ISA? So an ISA uh, stands for an individual savings account. Um, right. So yeah, j- just for anyone that, that isn't sure, uh, it's basically a tax-free wrapper where an individual who's a UK tax resident can slap in up to £20,000. So what's that? So what tax is that saving you on? That's just, just capital gains? So it's capital gains and income tax. Right. So so um, obviously shares pay dividends yeah. and, and as do funds. Uh, and so if it's in an ISA, you're not liable to pay uh, income tax on that. Mm. Um, when you, say, um, liquidate a holding and crystallise a gain, yeah. that, again, isn't, isn't, isn't subject uh, for, for capital gains. Um, for lots of young people like ourselves, um, you know, tax isn't a big thing, but at some point in your life it will, yeah. if, 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 if you care enough about this sort of stuff. So I feel like 
having the discipline to invest your wealth in an ISA from day one will pay dividends, pun intended. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that's basically what an ISA is. Um, there's a stocks and shares ISA, which is just a, is a basic ISA wrap where you just buy and sell, um, you know, securities. Yeah. Um, but there's sort of different different sorts of ISAs. There's like there's a lifetime ISA, which is where you can put in a certain amount of money and get a 25% government bonus if you're looking to buy a house and you're an eligible first-time yeah. buyer. Obviously, there's those of caveats, but I won't go into that in too much detail. And then there's also a, a, a boring option, which is a cash ISA where you get a fixed amount of interest per year. Yeah. Cool. Easy peasy. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So your portfolio. My you portfolio. You had to go to sort of go on like a... Um, yeah, so uh, as I was saying, I, I, I got a nicer back in uh, twenty late twenty eight late twenty seventeen early twenty eighteen. So I've been in the game for like two and a half years now. Um, so yeah. kind of, I'm kind of keen to pursue a kind of um, core satellite approach where you have a decent chunk of your portfolio in sort of passive funds. Yeah. Because um, then you, you kind of get the long term returns of equities um, without the sort of manager mm. or business risk that comes with investing in shares and actively managed funds. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm heading at. So, so I've got this legal and general international index trust, uh, which provides very low cost um, exposure to everywhere but the UK. Yeah. Um, the reason I went into that is because I quite like the idea of um, chasing alpha in the UK, which is where I'm at. Yeah. Um, so that, that, was, that was the rationale behind legal in general. Um, and then I've got an S&P, a Vanguard S&P um, ETF, which is basically a, a tracker. Tracker. Uh, tracker. That's, that's all good. And then got some, got some funky, funky Harbour Vest Global Private Equity Investment Trust. That's like a secondary listed private equity vehicle. Right. Um, so it gives it gives retail investors exposure to private equity that they otherwise wouldn't have access to because normally private equity managers you know require a fairly sizable investment. Um, I'm big into China, so uh, I've got a JP Morgan China Growth and Income uh, Investment Trust that, that I've invested into, mm-hmm. um, and then I've I've got a couple of um, actively managed global focused sort of investment trusts, so like Scottish Mortgage. Yeah. Uh, Smithson Investment Trust. That was an interesting one. I actually participated in the IPO for that. You did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, ten pound a share. It's now about fifteen. Oh no, fourteen pound fifty. So forty five percent in yeah, about, yeah. about about two years. Is it subscribed. Um. Well, I mean, my uh, my allocation uh, wasn't scaled back, so I got exactly what I asked for. Nice. So um, yeah, it was good. But the reason I went into that was because um, Terry Smith, who's actually um, a famous. Uh, fund manager, he actually he actually uh, runs Fundsmith Equity, right? Um, yeah, which is actually another one of my holdings. Um, so sort of famous global uh, global investment fund. Yeah, he actually put a lot of his own money in it. Um, which again comes back to our point about you know it kind of matters about skin in the game. You know, like yeah, um, definitely. Like in Let's the figure in- out where their interests lie and where, <laughs> where you know they're really actually willing to. Exactly, like in yeah. I, I work in investment consultancy and, and my, my company sort of uh, appraises fund managers and actually one, one of the key things they look for when looking to see how good a fund manager mm-hmm. is or how, how appropriate they'd be is um, sort of private or sorry personal ownership of their own products. Yeah. 
because um, because again it, it kind of it prevents any sort of conflicts of interest being uh, sort of being created yeah. or, or or them sort of not really caring because um, they still get paid whatever at the end of the day so yeah. just something something interesting to uh, say so. yeah interesting cool that's um, I guess that's kind of a quite a good introduction to it was sort of a very a pretty brief introduction and a, and a relatively shallow introduction to um, what we're doing at the minute in terms of our yeah. investments. Um, I think what would be interesting to do in, potentially in the next one would be kind of to talk about some dudes, uh, not some dudes, so talk about getting into investing yeah. um, and the sort of, not barriers to entry, but you know, things you've got to overcome to kind of get yeah. the ball rolling on that front and then once yeah. and then perhaps maybe a follow-on yeah. or maybe it could be part of the same thing is something about definitely talking about a, a sensible way of allocating the money that you you've saved you've inherited you've got on some sort of kpmg kickback from your, <laughs> from, your from your grad job whatever but that's quite an interesting thing to um to do um because i know we're both on it we're both the ball's rolling now but um, but for me, I know looking before I was, it didn't seem like you know I was always hundred percent going to do it. And I know I've got friends, Louis, who's got money, who's making money, but is not investing it at all. And mm. so um, you know it'd be interesting to, to definitely talk about just getting into the getting get going from not investing to then actually investing a small amount of money and just. Yeah, maybe talk also a little bit about how it's important. But yeah, that's that's that that, yeah. that that sounds really good. And yeah, like we've only really just scratched the surface with this first first episode. Yeah, um, so um, yeah, like looking forward to, to doing the next episode. Yeah. This this has actually been really enjoyable. Yeah, it's been fun. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's that's a really start, really start. Great. Well, uh, yeah. Well, stay tuned for the next episode. Stay and uh, yeah, take care, take care, guys. Cheers. Sweet.